Daryl, you bring up eyelashes and Jerry. He's like, they're so critical. The eyelashes are of <laughs> utmost importance. We may have uh, we may have been drinking when we were caping out Jared's. Kansas I wasn't Daryl. drinking. <laughs> Maybe I was drinking when we were caping out Jared's Kansas Deer. And apparently, I forgot. I wasn't caping it out. <laughs> apparently, I forgot to cut the eyelashes out of it. I didn't mess. I didn't mess you up that time. No <laughs> See, I didn't. I was so hesitant around it. The fact that I didn't mess you up, I think, messed you up that time. Damn it! And we're back. Mm-hmm. Episode twenty-six of the Hunter Podcast. We're rolling. Afternoon. Podcast. Afternoon to you. Afternoon. <laughs> Good day, sir. Yeah. Uh, it's an afternoon podcastalization. Uh-huh. Um, Busting out some shandies for this yeah. one. I had to say that just so people didn't think we were like drinking at nine in the morning. Yeah. Well, five o'clock somewhere. Hey. All right. <laughs> we figured out it's the only weird thing about like when you have guests remotely, it's like, well, we we have shandies here, but mm. uh, we'll, we'll pour, one, pour one out for you, I Did guess. Did you not get the memo? Uh, yeah. Get, bring your shandies, BYO yeah. shandies. BYO shandies, yeah. Oh, what a, it's, it, I was telling Colton we were outside and yesterday was beautiful, man. It was like 60 degrees and like. Hot today. It's yeah. hot. Yeah. Which is why a shandy goes really well today. It was cold this morning. I was going to bring the bike to work this morning and I stuck my head out there. My, was it cold? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, it was cold. It was kind of windy. Mm-hmm. Well, it's uh, approaching July again. I feel like it's Groundhog Day. Every time we're on a podcast, I'm like, hey, it's almost July. Yeah, June 24th today. Again. Um, but, you know, one of the things that we're excited about, and we've kind of talked about it on here, is, um, you know, the end of August. So, what, basically nine weeks, you know, we leave for the Dakotas um, for our first early season hunt. And, you know, really with the expectations of mule deer hunting, but ultimately it's mule deer and velvet yep. is what we're looking for. Yeah. Um, and it seems like last year when we were there in the North Dakota range, it was, we were right on the edge. Mm-hmm. Like some of them were well, still in. Literally. I mean, you killed one in velvet and I killed one just out. Yep. I mean, it, it was just hit or miss of what those deer were. I think those two big ones we saw were already out, but we saw a bunch in that group of the one you killed that were still in. It seemed like most of them were in. Yeah. 70%. Yep. So, um, you know, that was my first experience with velvet and, and not even that, but it was 90 some degrees the day I killed that buck at like high noon, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it's like, what do you, what do you do? Like once you kill that, like, okay, great. We killed this deer in the field. Now he's in velvet. It's 90 degrees. Like, what do we do to take care of this thing to get it packed out? Make sure that like, we're not screwing up the meat. We're not screwing up the velvet. Yeah. Um, you know, in your case, the hide yep. and get it out of there, Yeah. you know? And so I guess we connected with our guest today, um, sitting in maybe June, probably around this time, mm-hmm. um, and, and found the guys from Velvet Antler Technologies, which was like, oh, cool. Like, what is this, um, in terms of, you know, a product base? Well, yeah, I, mean, I think we just kind of that's the question we had is how do we take care of if we kill a velvet buck because I have, you know, just on the last podcast, sure. we're talking about this, this buck we killed at the farm. And fortunately I could, I got him to the taxidermist within two, three hours of killing him. Mm-hmm. But in North Dakota, no, you know, we didn't know what we were going to do. And, um, so we kind of started the search and, and ultimately ended up finding these guys who are going to have on the podcast today, um, whose product remedies that, um, the solution that we were looking for mm-hmm. uh, in a like magnificent way. Like it's, it, it's so crazy how it, it's either 
you know, this product that we're going to talk about today, which is a really easy solution, uh, along with a few others in their product line, or you're like, you have to carry like a, a needle, like a hypodermic needle with you. I don't even know how people do that. Like, they, there's no way. I'm telling you, dude, some of the research that I did early on. Yeah, with the Formota. I saw it on like Go Hunt and a couple, couple other guys talking about how to do this stuff. They're carrying syringes and, and, uh, formaldehyde and they're mm-hmm. literally injecting the needles like in all these different locations That's insane and, and uh especially when you're in the back country or something so it's the last thing you're thinking about it's a it's a pretty revolutionary product uh in in my opinion um i would assume a lot of guys lose their velvet bucks or bowls because of it right yeah. they just don't take care of it and it sheds it's a crazy thing that like when you start to ask these questions you realize how many guys have just been like they've settled with like well we don't really know sometimes it dries and it's okay and yeah we don't know <laughs> well i mean a lot of the tax- <laughs> i'm like what do you mean i'm not going to drive 24 hours and kill a buck to yeah. like not know what we're going to do with it a lot of the taxidermists that i talked about when we were looking for that they're like yeah we don't even like really want to hand like we don't do that stuff they do yeah. like an after process to like put they it back send them on. off to freeze dry and stuff yeah yeah they can also replicate it but it doesn't look very good in my mm-hmm. opinion yeah so yeah i mean it's like <clears throat> i'm we've got so much stuff that we're taking care of like to think about a syringe of formaldehyde and even doing that right and and like it just is a mess so yeah we we come across you know velvelock as a product and it's like oh so i literally just spray this stuff on and it like i'm good yeah like that's it well and so to be clear i mean t- totally transparent on this product and you know we try to always be with our podcasts so th- this company has come on as a, as a client of stone rib media yep which is our primary business and and they've also elected to partner with us uh, at hunter mm-hmm. um you know so that so that we can continue to create content for these guys and uh you know work to promote them in line with our stone Rib media partnership well, i think it's huge in that like we uh, you know this is product or episode 26 it's not like we're here talking about products every episode yeah you know one of the reasons we we picked to do this at this time is it's going to be falling in early july guys are getting ready for their early season hunts this is this was something that was a major concern for us is like if i'm going to take the time and spend the money and try to go out and kill a velvet buck whether it's out west dakotas kentucky tennessee in the early season like i need to make sure that i have my butt covered in terms of what i'm doing we didn't know until we found this stuff and so, and, and, you know, part of this conversation is that I don't think a lot of people know that this even exists, you know, and they've they got, don't. they've got new products coming out that from an overall hunting standpoint are, are huge to anybody that's harvesting a trophy and then trying to take care of that thing between the time they kill it and the time they get it to the taxidermist. Yeah. The need was obvious once we started getting this out, uh, kind of getting the word out about this product. Um, it, it was just so well received. I mean, obviously they're and rightfully show, so should be some skepticism um, mm-hmm. just because it, it kind of seems like it shouldn't be that simple. Well, I mean, you're telling me I got to carry a needle and syringe around instead yeah. of a bottle, a spray bottle. But certainly it was like, oh, there's a lot of people that have been looking for a solution like this. Um, so I assume if you haven't already, um, obviously are today and in the future, you'll probably be hearing about these guys. And, you know, I yep. think they've got a sweet lineup here. So. Well, we're going to bring uh, Daryl and AJ on from uh, Velvet Antler Technologies. You know, I'm really kind of interested because uh, I don't even know we've heard the full story of like how this thing has come about. Um, and so I'm really interested to kind of see the origins of this thing. And, and, you know, again, they're continuing to come out with new product here that all of it is really to make from the time you harvest to the time you get it to the taxidermist 
I think that Velvet Antler Technology is trying to make sure that they have you covered in that process. Um, and you don't have to. You don't have to use this stuff if you don't want to. But from a velvet situation, you're going to find yourself in a tough position. We're going to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah it's just, it's, yeah. you know, again, it's just figuring out. Our goal with Hunter is always to figure out, are there things that our hunting community do not know about that would benefit truly by understanding like, hey, this is available. Here's how it works. Oh, you're going to need something like that. Um, and that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. So I'm going to bring him on. Hey, hey. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome, what's up? Welcome. How are y'all? How are you? Good. How are you? Doing good. good. Thanks for coming on today, guys. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. AJ, you look like you're in a prison. Daryl, you look like you're in heaven. <laughs> in other words, one of us works. And the other yeah, one I was going to say, AJ's at his day job, right? <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, guys, we we appreciate you having us, uh, having you come on for the podcast today. Um, you know, it was kind of funny. Jared and I were just talking before we brought you guys in, like, you know, as we were planning for our our first early season hunt out west and and figuring out, you know, all the equipment we need, you know, one of those factors that kind of just sits back there is, you know, what if, right? And it's the goal, but what if we harvest, you know, a velvet buck? Like, what do we do? What's the process? And you start going down this trail of, you know, what the old school method was in terms of syringes and formaldehyde and all this stuff. And it's like, it's almost overwhelming to the point where I was like, geez, you know, is it even like worth it? Or should I just, you know, bring and, it back? And, you know, I think our, 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 you know, question or look, searching for answers there was even bigger just with, with a whole backcountry hunt. Like it's a, maybe not backcountry, but it's like, man, if we, if we kill a buck out here, what does that look like? You mm -hmm. know, how do we, how do we take care of the meat? From that point, you know, how do we, if it's a deer that we're going to mount, you know, mm -hmm. how, how do we take care of the hide and all of that stuff? And certainly if they're in velvet, um, that's the thing I think we, we knew the least about. Sure. But, um, but before we dive too far into the answers of which I think you guys have quite a few of them, do you want to just introduce yourselves real quick? You know, talk about who you are, what your background is and um, what your role is at, at Velvet Antler. Go ahead, Daryl. I'll let you begin. Okay. So, my name's Daryl Goger. I uh, I was always an archery hunter in Nevada, and that's kind of how I got my start with the velvet antler stuff. I've I've always just hunted with a bow. I, I enjoy archery hunting. Um, been a guide in Nevada for fifteen plus years, and that's kind of where, you know, being out there in the field, I need to learn to take care of clients more so than myself, and lots of trial and error before I got this thing right. A lot of time, time involved in it. AJ? Okay. My name's AJ Pizzoli. So it's kind of an interesting story how this all came to be. So I actually met Daryl back in 2011. Uh, at that time, I was in graduate school, uh, MBA in finance and a couple other things. And, you know, we kind of hit it off right, right off the bat as friends. And it was one where we started off on a kind of a business level talking about buying and selling and doing some other stuff. And, uh, Anyway, Daryl just kind of hit me up with it one day and said, hey, what are you going to school for? And I said, oh, I'm doing a, you know, a master's of business. And he's like, I have this really cool idea. And I know you're an archery hunter and I know you're interested in this stuff. Like, can I, can I kick it off you? I said, you bet. So we kind of struck up this conversation about, hey, I got this wild idea of this product. 
at the time we didn't have a name. We didn't have a bottle. Like it was literally a grassroots effort. It was something that he had a passion for. And as he mentioned, he was a guide in Nevada. And at certain points, he would be hundred plus miles away from any type of, you know, established taxidermist or anything like that, a freezer or cooler, whatever you want to call it. And so uh, he had this great idea and yeah, we, uh, we started kicking around ideas in 2011. We started coming up with names and products, you know, product ideas, other stuff we could offer to go with it, you know, and then kind of snowballed from there. So here we are now we're, you know, rolling on 10 years of Daryl and I kind of working, you know, working together and building this thing from the ground up. We've, had a lot of people help us along the way and we've, you know, we've had some great partners along the way and, you know, we, we've really just pushed to bring this to the table for everyone that's passionate about hunting out there. And, you know, we, a lot of things have come to light through this process and it's, it's been extremely humbling and enjoyable. Yeah. So am, am I correct in saying that the first product that you guys developed was Valve Lock? That's correct. Awesome. And so what is it? What, what does it do? How's it work? Go ahead, Daryl. It's a, it's just a topically applied solution that you can spray on the velvet itself, saturate the down to the membrane through the hairs and it liquefies, reliquifies blood and drains any fluids out of the antler from between the membrane and the bone and cures the membrane at that point. Yeah. That's crazy, man. I mean, and Daryl kind of going back to your, um, your guide experience. I mean, obviously, you know, anybody that's hunted with a guide and, and truly appreciates it understands how much work happens beyond the harvest on the guide standpoint. Right. And, and for you as the guide, like, you know, I won't say your work starts there because it's obviously you're putting people on deer and elk and stuff, but like the moment that animal goes down, like there's a lot of things that you as the guide have to do because oftentimes those hunters, like if it's like us from the East, we don't necessarily know, you know, what the proper things are to, to get that animal out of that back country or wherever we're at. And so, you know, I assume this is one of those things where you're looking at like how much time and how precious, you know, this process is from the time that animal hits the ground to you get it back to camp and you, you kind of have to say to yourself, like, there's gotta be a better way to do this. Right. Right. And that's a lot of that. It actually began before I was even guiding because you know, I lived in central, north central Nevada, and just my archery hunting, you know, and, and probably number one, one of the big things that I created the Velvelock for was your everyday guy, right? Not not your guy that, not, not that I don't want him to use it, but the, the guys that every day, you know, you take your kid out and your kid kills his first deer and it's a little two point. But do you want to spend the $300 to take that two point to the taxidermist to have that velvet preserved for your kid? Yeah. Most guys are going to tell you, no, it's not right. But so I wanted to create this product that was user friendly. You could use it with your kids. You could teach your kids to use it on their own. And you don't have to hurry to take it to a taxidermist to have that memory preserved forever. Yeah. It does it for you in, in more of a family oriented situation where i mean you're not going to let your kid take a, a needle in formaldehyde right and inject it in a little mm -hmm. set of antlers just nobody's gonna nobody in the right mind is gonna do that yeah i won't even let jerry so do is, that <laughs> yeah i mean it's created out of passion for the guys that that just want to take charge of what they need to do and cure their antlers themselves yeah yeah man that the price is no joke either 
you know, maybe I'm misremembering this, but when I killed this buck over your shoulder, um, mm-hmm. and th- this was before we found out about you guys and, um, you know, cause that was for the mule deer hunt the following year. But when I killed this buck in Ohio, um, it was in velvet, uh, we took it to the taxidermist and I remember it's, it's an old timer taxidermist. I mean, this guy knows what he's talking about and he obviously has done a great job. He was like, boy, he's like, you're looking at, uh, he's like, he said like $10 an inch to get this thing like freeze dried or, yeah, or whatever process what it, it was. was. He's like, yeah, your wife's not going to be happy that you killed this thing. Like, cause it's, it's going to be expensive. Yeah. And, uh, you know, ultimately I think it was, it was not too bad. It was like a, it was a few hundred dollars, but still, you know, if, if had I known at the time, if I could buy, pick up this bottle for you know, whatever you guys are selling it for twenty nine ninety nine, um, and, and treated it right there on the spot, you know, that would have given me so much more confidence. Um, first of all, that I was I was taking care of it in a timely manner, um, and, and certainly would have saved me some money as well. You know, and and that's like best case scenario for being able to get to a taxidermist. These hunts mm-hmm. that we're talking about now, and you know, Daryl, like some of the ones you've guided, I'm sure, um, it's not really an option. It's like, well, we're out here for nine yeah. days. Like it's you know that hide's going to sit in the shade over there or in the cooler. There's you know there's the, the potential for it to get wet, and we have to treat this velvet. You know, all these things are problems that we face on on these hunts that I think you guys are striving to, you know, help help us fix. Yep, exactly. I, I Jared, think how uh, okay. how long was that buck at the freeze dryer? <laughs> That's a good question. It was one of the first ones in. You know, I don't know exactly how long it was at the freeze dryer um, because he sent it off and then had to finish the taxidermy work on it. But yeah, I mean, I would say it was a little bit longer than. Um, I would have expected to wait just for, for you know, a, a normal, normal mount. shoulder mount like that. So it was a little longer than our, uh, you know, our, our 72 hour velvet lock, huh? Yeah, oh, no 100%, doubt, man. 100%. Uh, yeah, man, that's for, um, you, know, you know, the taxidermy is one because taxidermy just, just takes time period. If you're going to send it off and have it done, you expect to wait. And that's one thing. But when you're in a place where you know, your mount could potentially be damaged or you might not even be able to do it because you can't treat them there on the spot. You know, it, it, you have to have a solution for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's why we sought so hard. And I'll tell you what, dude, before we found you guys, I was fully prepared to find a hypodermic needle and like, sure. you know, find some formaldehyde at a funeral home somewhere and like do it ourselves. We would have figured it out, but. And, uh, you know, finally we, we looked uh, you know, well, we didn't have to look that hard, but eventually we, f- we found you guys and I was like, man, I think this is, this yep. could really be something. And t- so, so my experience guys was, um, just like anybody should be, as, as I said, was, was skeptical. Um, mm-hmm. I was like, this seems like too easy. Like, well, it- I mean, we're looking at needles and formaldehyde up until this point, And then now or I just spray it with this stuff. Exactly. And so I think it was before I even talked to you guys, I started calling taxidermists that I could see. Uh, you know, we're tagging some of your Instagram posts or, you know, people who have been using your stuff. And I mean, these are people who depend on your products for, um, you know, their income for their livelihood. Um, and so I just kind of told them about who we were and Mm -hmm. that we were planning this hunt, what I was looking to do with this stuff. And, you know, I'll just tell you, I got nothing but uh, reassurance from these taxidermists and, and a positive, um, you know, tone that they're like, man, I, I started using this stuff a few months back and, you know, we get, you know, a few dozen, if not a few hundred, uh, velvet mounts, uh, requested from us every year. And they're like, I can't tell you first about how, how good this stuff works, but how much it's, how much it's simplified their process to be able to do it on a, on a mass scale. Like obviously it's a, it's a bottle per rack. These guys are doing several dozen or several hundred racks in a season. 
Um, you know, obviously, I think that's a, a pretty good sample size to tell you if it works or if it doesn't. For sure. Yeah, yeah and it was it was funny, Jared, because you actually reached out to a guy by the name of one of many, but a guy named Justin Brown. Yeah, taxidermy yep. in Santa Quin, Utah. And I, right after you got off, what you guys got off that call, he called me and said, <laughs> dude, I just got the weirdest call from this guy named Jared. And he's like, he was like poking and prodding about your, your thing, asking, you know, all the conditions I've tried it under, if it's failed, if I'd recommend it, you know, and all this stuff. But it, I just remember that call vividly because at that time we didn't know Stone Road Media. We weren't working with you yeah. guys in any way, shape or form. I, you know, it was just one of those things where I'm like, Jared, Jared Stone Road sounds familiar but yeah i didn't put two and two together right yeah but i i just remember that call vividly and and yeah i, I will tell you justin is a is a pioneer for us he was one of the first what i'll call fully established taxidermists that took our product and tested it for us and that's the thing is daryl can attest to this it wasn't just that he bought our product and you know he used it and loved it he worked with us you know we'd talk to him about different conditions he's doing and we'd have him try it in different conditions we'd have him try it when the antlers were damp versus dry in the sun in the shade winter summer you know really because he had access to those to, to the velvet and i'll tell you you know he's been a great pioneer for us and i think he's you know one that we have to give a lot of credit to to the to the success of the story that we're writing because people like him you know took a chance whether it was on their kids personal deer like like justin or you know it was a it was a client that he just reached out to and said, Hey, I've got this product. You know, I, I really want to test it. I believe in it. Are you okay with it? And it's people like that that really helped us get to where we are. Yeah, that's awesome. And I mean, and, and listen, at the end of the day, the, the one group that I would say most hunters are trusting is their taxidermist, right? I mean, when we turn this thing over, we're putting it in their hands to say, all right, guys, like, you know, I expect something to come back that looks fantastic. Yeah. Um, and if anybody's used to getting like the, the worst conditions dealt to them, it's like, Hey, here's this buck. I've had this hide in my cooler for a week and a half. <laughs> like I think the ice melted a week ago and no, I didn't treat the velvet. They're like, I hope you can make it look awesome. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. And so when you have those guys kind of vouching for you, I mean, that's yeah. huge on that side. And so, you know, we, we took our trip very serious. It was our first Western muley hunt, you know, and we were pretty, you know, as prepared as we possibly could be. And this was kind of one of those last factor pieces that, and you know, how are we going to handle the meat and the heat and stuff like that? But, you know, we we got to the point, and you know, fortunately, it was second day in North Dakota that I did. I killed a velvet, you know, and so, dude, it was like I literally had this spray bottle in my pack, like at the bottom of my pack with my game bags, like pulled it out and just like before before we even cut it up, just treated the antlers right there, and then went to skinning and stuff. And it was uh, well, we and we were like so nervous too. Well, yeah, because we're southwestern PA guys. It's not like we're used to dealing with velvet. Like I had one freak occurrence, but aside from that, it's like, oh, don't touch it. Oh, <laughs> like you know, we're just so nervous we're gonna mess it up. And so yeah, you're right. That's the first thing we did. It's like let's get the sucker we treat, sprayed we down. We literally sprayed it down before we even started to to cape out or anything. And then by the time we got to the truck, it was already pushing out. The bases. Yeah. Remember, it was pushing the blood and the fluid out the bases. Yeah, and it was like, I guess it's working. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And I mean, for us, it, it was. It, it is funny because, like, it, it, just because of the way the industry is, guys anymore. Like, you have to be skeptical about stuff like this, right? When it comes out or when you hear about it, and I'm sure people listening right now are going to say the same thing. They're like, "Okay, cool. You're telling me like that spray bottle is going to do the same thing that if I had, you know, a needle and formaldehyde." Okay. And it's like, listen, like, look at the testimonies around this thing. Like, 
it's always innovation that keeps us moving forward, whether it's just in the hunting industry or outside of this industry. And like, we've used it and it worked. It worked great. Like we had no problems with it, um, which is awesome. And I think a lot of people that probably get their hands on the product will say the same thing in their use, plus the ease of use of it. Yeah. Yeah. It, dude, it's hard not to make it sound like an infomercial. It's it's almost like too, too good to be true. Well, and the other thing is too, like you guys have, there's no competitors in this space is what blows my mind. It's like, you know, if you want to go out and treat a set of velvet antlers and we're going to get into some of your guys' other products too, because I know you have some, some really awesome stuff here, but as far as the, the velvet lock goes, it's like you're injecting formaldehyde with a hypodermic needle or, or bust or, you know, or this, this is like the only solution. So, you know, and, and who knows, somebody else may f figure out something at some point here, but, um, as, as it stands right now, you know, this is for sure the best solution that we've found. And we're, I think it's encouraged us to plan more velvet hunts, mm -hmm. um, in the future, because we just got the confidence that we can, we can take care of those animals when the time comes. What, in terms of, from a velvet side, and I'm sure different conditions, it varies, but like the moment that animal is harvested, I mean, what is the leeway time to like, Hey, we got to do something with that velvet before essentially it could start slipping or, or going bad. You know, you want to, you want to have it on there within, I would say within 24 hours, you know, we've, we've done some that are actually, it's funny. I just got a call from, uh, Nate Harris from, uh, Western Hunter Magazine. Mm -hmm. We called. We we talked with him. He actually injected a buck last year with formaldehyde, put it in his garage, and some it started stinking on him. Started rotting. So he he ordered a bottle of product. He called me. We talked it over, and he used that bottle, and he said it took all the stink away. It stopped the rotting process, and it set the velvet. Hmm. So so. I, I always tell people don't feel like it's a lost cause if it does start to rot, but at the same time, don't let it rot. Sure. Right? I mean, so, so if you get one that, that you have made the mistake, put it, you had a, an emergency and in 48 hours, you notice the hair slipping on it and it's starting to stink. It's not a lost cause. We've cured many, many, we actually did one. I did one for a guy here that actually had maggots up underneath the velvet. Wow. Under the membrane. We soaked it down, sprayed it. I used a couple bottles just because I knew it was going to take a lot. It killed all the maggots. It cured the velvet and it got rid of the smell. So it's not always a lost cause, but we don't want it to get to that point at the same time, right? It's our treasure trophy. So sure. we want to get it on there within the 24 hour mark. Okay. That makes sense. And I think that's feasible. Like even if you're in the back country and stuff, I mean, you know, packing one out, like you've well, got like 24 I said, hours. Like I said, we were nervous. So we had it in the, in the bag with us. And I was like, as soon as the thing hits it before it's dead, I'm going to go and spray it. I think he was still twitching and I was already spraying them. <laughs> but, uh, you probably could get away with leaving it, you know, at your spike camp or, or whatever, you know, you, you can, you can, uh, quarter them out, you know, cape it up to the neck, pack, you know, pack them back to camp. And then once you get back, tr treat them. And then, so what's kind of counterintuitive to, you know, people who take care of, I've been on hunts, I suppose, is that you actually want to keep these antlers in as much sunlight and, and heat as possible. Like it's, it's actually, you would think, man, I got to get this on ice or I got to keep mm -hmm. it in the shade just like I would with meat. But with a treated set of velvet antlers that I've treated with a velvet lock, 
I want these things hanging in the sun, cooking basically. Right. You want them, you always want them bases down, tips in the air, and you want them as warm as possible, as fast as possible. That's which it's just, it goes against everything everybody knows about velvet. Yeah. Tips up. Mm-hmm. we've got to change that mindset with this yeah that and that was that's what we did right i mean we put that one on the picnic table we had treated it down it was in the sun it was hot that day and just let it go yep. and just set it there yeah yep. you know and yeah, and i think i think to add a little context around that you know you posed the question about how soon yeah um daryl 100 correct in everything he said but you know one thing to preface too is you kind of hit on it some of it's going to depend on the climate you're in as well right sure because if you're hunting in an area where, you know, it is much cooler, you've got a little more time to break down and, you know, debone, do whatever you got to do, mm. you know, versus someplace like if you're hunting in, I don't know, northern Mexico or mm. south Arizona, you're out on the strip or whatever, and it's so hot out there, you know, yep. you, people have to remember, and I think this is kind of common knowledge, but obviously Daryl and I have done extreme amounts of research into velvet in particular. What is it? It's, it's, you know, short and sweet. It's a living tissue. The second that blood starts, stops circulating the system within the deer, elk, moose, whatever you're hunting. And as long as there's no oxygen being delivered through there, that tissue starts necrosis at that very moment. So the sooner you can get it on the better, but to Daryl's point, you know, you do have some time. He's, he brought up several Testaments. You know, we, we had um, a guy here that same type of thing, Kill, shot an elk and velvet, couldn't find it for several days, finally found it, took it to the taxidermist. The the, the, oh. the the actual velvet was like a very, very ripe peach. Like you just barely push on it and it would strip right off. Oh. So he brought it in. We saturated it like, you know, tines up all the way down, put it out in the sun. It was a nice, you know, fall day, let it sit. And that thing hardened exactly how it was. No smell, no rot. So again, the suit I'll preface it one last time by saying the sooner you get it on, the better your velvet's going to look. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I mean, too, like if you're in the back country, you're talking about like a pound of extra weight, like at the bottom of your bag or something like that. And I mean, so even if you could hit it with, uh, you know, a single bottle just to get something moving, you know, yep. until you get it back to a base camp in the case where we're at in Dakotas. Yeah, it was hot, but like we're, you know, a 30 minute drive from our base camp at any, at any given time, um, from where we were packing yeah. in. So yeah, it, it, it's really interesting. And again, for a lot of people, it, it's different Two different audiences, right? If we talk about the Western guy, most of those Western bow hunters have some experience and, or have had a chance at velvet animals at some point in time mm-hmm. for a lot of us in the East, you know, with the exception of like Kentucky and now the new Tennessee, uh, August season in South Carolina, like there aren't a lot of opportunities for velvet deer out here. And so, you know, we just typically don't think of it, but more and more of us are heading West to go on, you know, backcountry mule deer trips or elk trips or whatever it is. And frankly, we're just completely unfamiliar with how to even handle something like this. Cause it's just not common for us. Um, and so I think that's where, like I would bet most of those guys, there's no way in hell that they would bring a needle and formaldehyde with them. If they killed a velvet muley or a velvet bull, they, you know, it would just be like, well, I lost the velvet, or maybe the taxidermist can, you know, reflock it or something. You know, it doesn't matter. Um, but it's just by creating something that is simple to use, and you know, really doesn't require any real knowledge of how to do anything else besides just apply it and let it dry. It's just a big thing for, I think, a lot of hunters to increase. Because I bet there's guys who, I know for a fact, and my dad was one of them for a long time, 
you know, if it was above 70 or 80 degrees, like he didn't even go. Cause he's like, man, eh, I don't want the meat to go bad and stuff, you know? Cause it is a rush to like process. It's just that internal thought of like, it's 90 degrees. I just killed an animal. How do I get this thing out without the meat spoiling or whatever? Yeah. It's kind of mind blowing how, uh, it seems like antler velvet is just such a, an un uncharted territory for so many hunters. Like even who was that we were watching? Was that Cody from Lift to Hunt that killed that? Uh, yeah, that monster. It was like a world record or yeah. second in the world or whatever. And was was it the Boone and Crockett? Um, they they have to strip, strip it, it of velvet to, yeah. to officially score the thing. And he's like, uh, "No, like I'm I'm good." <laughs> you yep. know what I mean? It's like how have we not figured out a way to you know account for the fact that every deer and at you know, multiple stages of its life is in, is in velvet at some point. And there are some seasons that overlap that. And, you know, I think your product certainly recognizes that. And I think probably more people should. Mm-hmm. Let's yeah, I think the really cool thing about Velvalock that, you know, sometimes gets overlooked because people are so blown away with what the product does, you know, primarily focus, absolutely preserves all velvet in the condition it's in. And I want to preface that because we get a lot of questions. People will call and say, Hey, you know, I shot this deer. It was, you know, kind of late, you know, late, in the season as far as velvet goes my bucker bull has a bunch know. of velvet hanging off its you head you know, <laughs> if i spray it at this time what will it do and we tell people the way you see it it will be pre- preserved that way we've had testimony after testimony of people where they're you know they shoot a buck and maybe it tumbles down a rock slide and there's some velvet hanging off yeah. when you spray this with velvet lock it will preserve just like what you see it'll be soft and supple on the velvet side but it'll be hard as leather and bone on the other side. So that's the first thing. Second is, you know, let's not forget about the amazing quality that it has about repelling bugs, right? One of your biggest fears as well as, you know, your meat and your velvet going bad, you know, your, your biggest contributor to that decomposition is fly eggs, right? Yeah. Fly eggs, yeah, maggots, yeah. whatever it is. You know, we, we designed this, we intentionally designed this to have a bug repellent factor to it. So it's really interesting. I've had guys that are really, really skeptical that have said, I don't see how this product can do all this stuff. And I and I tell them like, just try it. And they're always blown away because as anyone that hunts, it doesn't matter what. The second you open up any type of an animal, you know, there's blood, there's tissue, whatever it is, you get flies, you get bees, you get wasps, you get all these things that want to infiltrate that tissue, right? And it's interesting because once you spray this down with Velvalock, you know, yes, you've got two things going on. You've got the velvets being preserved as it should be, as Daryl mentioned, it impregnates itself between the tissue and the bone and preserves it from the inside out. The other thing it's doing is it's repelling all bugs and keeping those away so that while it's preserving, you're not getting. Oh, lost him. Oh, you're back. Got you, Daryl. Yeah, that's me. We lost AJ. <laughs> oh, wait, that's all right. Yeah, While we're waiting for AJ. Yeah, we'll we'll get him back on here, but yeah, I mean he's he's making a lot of good points. I only packed four. Would you drink one already? This yeah. This velvet Two, ten years old. Uh, that's ten years old. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I did ten years ago. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. And this one, see, here's one that peeled. Yep. And then that just velvet, that membrane just gets off. And just treated it. My twelve year old, right my like twelve year old son killed that one ten. 
And then you just treated it just like that while it was yeah. peeling and then it just hardened up. See now that's the Yeah. So see that's the problem with injecting. So if you get one that falls down a mountain and like right here it's peeled down to the bone. Mm -hmm. So you can't inject that because the fluid will run out here. It'll never get to the bases. Right. So you cannot inject. Up. So they just have to try to figure it out. Well, now with Velvet Lock, you just spray the whole thing and it cures it forever, just like that. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. awesome. Did say was it? Did, it, did you admit him? You know, and that's another thing. This one, this one right here is 16 years old. That velvet. Jeez. Yeah, that's great. You know, and the other part of that is when taxidermists get bucks that come into their shops that are starting to strip already, so they're partially hard, partially soft, you can't inject them. There's no way to cure them. So mm. a lot of times they just tell them, you know, we got to hope for the best, right? Yeah. Well, they don't have to do that anymore. You just spray the Velvilock in any soft places and it'll cure it. Yeah, I, I think it helps to, for, for me, the more we talk about it, the more I understand that, like, Velvet is essentially just like a, a fleshy, you know, just flesh over top of, you know, the, the calcified bone underneath. Mm -hmm. And it just happens to have like, you know, hair fibers that are growing out of it. And so you just need to figure out how to remove any kind of a, a liquid or you know, a living organisms essentially between that flesh and the bone. Because the, the bone is not going anywhere. It's, it's calcified. Sure. It's hard. Um, and also just... Uh, maybe in a preserve is not the word, but essentially dry out that flesh. So it doesn't have the ability to rot and, and it will maintain its appearance and obviously won't rot, et cetera. Is that, mm -hmm. that's the Slut. basic premise of it, right? Right. Yeah. Yep. Won't, won't rot, rot, won't slip. It's funny how, dude, as a kid and stuff, I never understood. <clears throat> I was just like, I don't know. The antlers are fuzzy and then like, they're not, they wrote, yeah. they wrote them off, the but it's, it's interesting to understand, you know, how that actually is working. So I, I think one of the cool things that, that I was excited about, I mean, obviously, um, and, and, you know, there's plenty of guys that are going to be hunting in that August to early September time period where velvet lock is, uh, frankly, a necessity if you think you're going to kill a velvet deer and you want to preserve it. Yeah. But in, and even outside of that time period, when you start talking about axis deer, New Zealand and red deer, like there's other species where, where that is very applicable but from a from a U.S. basis, caribou. yeah, caribou. From a U.S. basis, when you start to look at things, you know, the majority of us are hunting in in really October, November, December, sometimes in January in the South. Deer season, right? That's deer season, and so it's like okay, you know, odds of coming across in the weird case you came across the velvet deer, but it's not common. Yeah. But what is common is the fact that like there are so many trophies taken every year during those months that you know hit the ground and then people were essentially and especially with cwd and how it's nearly required anymore that you're skull capping an animal and and literally caping it yourself versus taking it across state lines you know it becomes an issue around hides and i know that you guys just came out with a new product which is what i'm really excited about because it's going to be applicable to so many people and i i hear the horror stories from taxidermists from a hide standpoint, you know, we probably don't hear as much think, about dude, velvet. We've probably all experienced it. I know I have. Sure. We screw up the hide and we take it to a taxidermist. He's like, I don't know what to tell you. I can't fix this. Yeah. Hair slipping. Hair slipping. You know, yeah. you, you did something wrong on it. Like, it, you know, processing, processing your animal after the fact between 
when the animal is killed and if you're taking it to a taxidermist or, you know, or not, whatever you're doing with it, it's just becoming, I think, more critical for everyday hunters to understand. Mm -hmm. And this for a number of reasons, I certainly think more people are getting out and exploring public land. You know, they're, they're going out of state. They're hearing about these hunts that, you know, I could go and do. And, uh, it's an important part of that to consider what you're going to do with your animal after the fact. And so if it's a velvet buck, obviously, you know, we, we've kind of beat this into the, mm-hmm. the ground here of how this velvet lock product works. But um, if it's not a velvet hunt, which, you know, a majority of these hunts maybe aren't, especially in the Northeast and the Midwest, um, the hide becomes the next most important thing. And so this new product you guys have coming out with here like today, like a, it's out. This is the launch. And I suppose out. it's been on this, the website for a couple of days is, yeah. you know, it's called hide lock. And, uh, you know, my understanding of this is that, um, um, you know, it, it's an amazing product for between when you take that hide off of the animal and you're able to get it to the taxidermist. So whether it's it's rolled up in the shade somewhere or it's sitting in the cooler, ideally not in water if, if, if you can help it. But, you know, the number one thing we're trying to prevent is 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 hair slippage, you know, and, and obviously rot. Uh, until we're able to get it to, you know, the taxidermist and ultimately the tannery or, or into the freezer, right? So um, this is the product for it. And, um, yeah, I'll let you guys, if Daryl, if you want to talk about what this does a little bit more and maybe how you came up with this, I'm certainly interested to know. So, so it's funny, actually, another another one of my guide friends that guides out here in the West, he um, he said, okay, since you're so smart, he figured out the, how to do the velvet. He says, why don't you try to figure out how to protect our hides in the mountains when we're guiding in Arizona? Because we always lose hides. You know, you're back you're, you're back there two days and you're done. Your hide's going to be ruined no matter mm-hmm. what. You, there's no way to protect it. You can't carry a freezer with you. Um, so I said, okay, challenge accepted. So I started. Daryl's like, like, I got time. <laughs> <laughs> so I started mixing and trying different things and i finally came up with something that really works and and the big test for me was i took a white-tailed deer hide from here here in idaho heavy 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 cape hide from a november hunt very cold so the hairs are very thick hard to penetrate the hides thick hard to penetrate right we waited till summertime took it out of the freezer and we soaked it down with hide lock we rolled it up with the nose and ears inside we did no fleshing no ear turning, no lip splitting, no nothing, right? We sprayed the exterior of the hide at the face, nose, ears, mouth. We sprayed the interior of the hide itself all the way down from the nose, all through the ears, in the ear cavities, the whole thing. Folded the ears inside, rolled it up, and I left it in a garage at 105 degrees for 14 days, which I don't suggest you do. Don't don't <laughs> take this as that's what I do. Okay, step two. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You still should try to get it to a taxidermist as soon as possible. So we rolled it up. We left it 14 days, unrolled it. No hair slippage, no rot. The ears are still good. Nose is good. Everything's good. Worked perfect. So the next test was we took a piece of elk hide, not a huge piece, but enough to do a test with. We sprayed it down. And we put it in a plastic bag. For seven days in the sun outside at 100 degrees we left it for seven days after that we pulled it out of the plastic bag put it in a bucket of warm water in the sun for seven days after that process we took it to the tannery to have it tanned had absolutely zero hair loss 
out of that piece of hide after 14 days of abuse. The most endure, most, that's the dumbest things you can do to hide, right? Yeah. <laughs> Those are the two dumbest things you can do. Put it in water and put it in the plastic. Yeah. We did them both. It worked perfect. Hide came out of the tannery unscathed. That's crazy, uh, man. Hairs off. Perfect. So, so talk so us. Then we did we one more just to do a side by side, right? So that people can't say, well, it could have been this, it could have been that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we took a raccoon hide, split it from nose to tail. One side we preserved with hide lock, the other side we didn't do anything with. Rolled it up, same thing, in the heat, in the garage, left it for seven days till we couldn't stand the one side smell anymore. My wife wanted to try to kill me because it stunk so bad. In our garage, so <laughs> had to finally get it out of there. So that piece, same thing. I took it to the tannery so that we would have a really good representation of exact same conditions. Everything down the line from, from start to finish. We didn't flush the hide. We didn't do anything to it. Took it to the tannery and the side that was unprotected lost a ton of hair. It's just a total difference in night and day of after the protection went through the tanning processes, no interaction with any of the tanning solutions. Everything worked just perfect as it should. So, so Daryl, I guess from a, and, and obviously not real, um, you know, telling us the secret sauce necessarily, but like what, what are you, what is the product trying to do to that hide in order to do the, you know, keep, keep it from slipping in the heat, keep it from slipping in the water. And then I would assume bugs as well as a repellent. So what, when you are looking at this product and you're formulating it, what in your head are you trying to do to say, if I can fix one, two, three, then I've got something here. If, if you can fix the growth of bacteria, um, to keep the bugs away, obviously, because bugs break down, Yep. tissues that's what they do those are the two those are the two big ones if you can do those two things with a product that's going to keep everybody happy that's what everybody wants at the end of the day right that's mm-hmm. keep your keep, keep it from rotten keep it from slipping keep the bugs off of it before you can get it to where it needs to go and, and when you think about like a, a water issue, I mean, what is it bacteria that you're worried about in that issue or what, what in the water is causing, like I always hear like, yeah. Hey, don't just throw it in a cooler because if it, That's what my water, says, if it gets wet, don't even bring it to me. Yeah. Like it's going to slip. Like what, what is that? Is it just the water that's starting to break down the membrane, I guess? Yes. In the, in the, you know, there's bacteria in water as well. As soon as you get it in there, I mean, if you had chlorinated water, you could oh, probably soak in water and probably okay. Or salt water, you probably could do that. But yeah. water in itself, as soon as bacteria thrives in wet conditions, right? Mm-hmm. That's just where it thrives. So if we can keep it away from those wet conditions, that's the ultimate goal. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Then that's a big deal too. And it's kind of counterintuitive when it's like, well, put it on ice, but don't get it wet. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm coming from out of state and I'm like, okay, I got to put it in the cooler. And my tax service is like, if it gets wet, don't even bring it to me. So I'm like panicking. So it's like, yeah. I've got it in six or seven, seven layers bags. of bags. And <laughs> so, so I think this is super um, applicable for us. Like when we go to Kansas, we um, have to cape. Yeah. We, we had a cape. We got to do the whole deal. And then it's a 17 hour trip back. And I probably am you know, running around, dropping you guys off at stands if, if I kill early or whatever for mm-hmm. three, four or five days. Yeah. Um, so to get us through that process, I think that this Hydelock, um, you know, spray is uh, just kind of a game, uh, game changer in that regard and will give me a lot more confidence that, um, you know, not not only 
my velvet in the case of a mule deer hunt, but my hide in the case of any deer hunt that we do out of state, um, you know, is going to be preserved until I'm able to get it back. And and I guess are you guys, uh, so when we talk about hide block, <clears throat> obviously we've got that cape inside out. We're spraying it on the inside, on the actual flesh side of, of the cape. When you talk about the ears and nose and eyes and mouth, are you doing it as best of your ability on that flesh side and then as well hitting it from like, call it the, the hair side out? Right. Yeah. The, the head, especially the heads, the heads, everybody looks at the head, right? Yep. Taxidermists can fix a lot of stuff on the hide at the chest, the shoulder. They could cut a piece out that's not good and re-sew it, make it look good, put it in a wrinkle. But the face, nose, eyes, the eyelashes, eyelashes are huge important. I don't know if mm. you ever really look close at your mouth, but look at the eyelashes. They're beautiful. Mm. On an so if the, if, the, if the eyelids get start bacteria growth, the, the eyelashes are going to fall out. Right. I mean, yeah. so all of that stuff, you got to protect it, keep it from rotting and falling apart. Daryl, you bring up eyelashes and Jerry. <laughs> He's like, they're so critical. The eyelashes are of <laughs> utmost importance. Yeah. We may have, uh, we may have been drinking when we were caping out Jared's. Kansas I wasn't there. drinking. <laughs> Maybe I was drinking while we were caping out Jared's Kansas deer, and apparently I forgot. I wasn't caping it out. <laughs> apparently I forgot to cut the eyelashes out of it. He just pulls them out to the eyes and hacks them right off. He's like, yeah, you're good. Your tax service can fix that. I was like, oh. okay. Oh. Oh. That doesn't sound accurate. I, I, cl- I clearly remember getting the eyelashes, so I think he was lying to you. <laughs> And you guys are still friends at this time? Still friends with I found another hide. Uh, yeah. Ooh. I found another oh, hide. Oh, gosh. But, so, so you needed it, though, for your mule deer in your freezer. I wonder what would have happened in that. So here's a – tell them about your scenario. Just yeah. curious to see if it would have helped or not. Yeah, that's interesting. So okay. I, that buck I killed in North Dakota last year, um, I was going to mount it. I brought – we caped it out. Uh, we did a skull cap out there. I brought it back. Uh, my wife and I bought a new house in October last year. So, you know, shortly after our hunt, so I transitioned that hide from my freezer from my old house to a freezer in my new house. And, uh, unbeknownst to me, that freezer was on like a, a trip switch. I can't remember what a a GCI or something like that. Breaker. Breaker. And, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it tripped and I don't know how long it had been off, but, uh, I ended up losing that hide because the, the freezer shut off you know for probably upwards of, of a week or so do you think had i treated this with hide lock it would have made a difference or it, that's a gamble because once that bacteria starts in on that hair it's pretty tough to stop at that point and and the difference in hide lock versus the velvet lock in that aspect is the hide lock is not curing the membrane as the Velvalock is right. So Velvalock, when it cures a membrane, it sets the hair follicle in place because it hardens the membrane as it cures. Mm-hmm. The hide itself can't do that with. So once once you spray it down, it's going to stay moist until it gets to the taxidermist for them to do their tanning processes. So it won't close that hair follicle and lock that hair in place see where i'm going with that yeah i do so what if what if he what if he would have treated it with hide lock like prior in, in north to put dakota it, yeah, yeah in north dakota prior to putting it in the freezer then the freezer thawed and that then you probably i think it probably created way way better of a scenario in that situation right well i'll I tell you, you what i did you, I you thr- probably would have stayed 
you probably would have saved that hide. I mean, and that's what I'm saying. Like for 30 bucks for added insurance. Cause like I've, I've literally got a Kansas hide in my freezer right now that I haven't dropped at the taxidermist just cause I just haven't yet. Does it have eyelashes? <laughs> <laughs> hey Jared, if you, uh, if you need an eyelash gal, I, I could probably hook you up with No, my wife's going. got enough for all of us. She's got cases and cases of them. That's what I should have done. I just dug into my wife's. <laughs> just my, one of those on them. Yeah. Yeah, it'd have been fine. Hey, let me, babe, let me. But hey, babe, when you're done with yours, can you put them on this? There you go. Uh, but that would, I mean, again, yeah. if I'm going to store Might've it. Might have helped. Might have helped. Well, I don't see the amount of people that are doing trips, whether it's in-state, like if you're in what other, northern Illinois and you're driving to southern Illinois, or if you're in. Texas and going to Southern Illinois to hunt. Like it seems like a no brainer. You're going to have to cape that deer. You're going to have to skull cap that deer unless you're leaving it with a Illinois taxidermist. And then you're going to either get it shipped or pick it up. So like, why wouldn't you treat it before you roll it up and, and put it in a bag and put it in your cooler or Absolutely. whatever? Absolutely, Yeah. I agree. You know, and there's, there's another good example for you. Of, even if guys don't have velvet deer, if you're having to cape and and cut the skull cap off of a deer, if you go through a checkpoint for for fishing game and they want to check that skull cap, if you will spray Velvalock on the skull cap after you cap it, it will completely dry all the membrane and hmm. everything that's attached to Dude. that skull cap. So that Freaking. when you go through those checkpoints, fishing game is going to look, it's a nice dry, cured, skull cap that has no living tissue left on it right well dude so Darryl, that would really really help the guys that do that let me ask you this i can't tell you how many walmarts we've been in after trying to find borax to put on our skull caps and we can't find it anywhere because people are trying to make the homemade well, cleaning products for and, coronavirus. and i also then have it wrapped in 17 garbage bags trying to keep all the and duct tape trying to keep the borax in there so it's not all over the truck and everything else yeah, could we just use spray it with velvet? You spray that with velvet lock and let it sit for a day, and it'll be completely hard and dry in a day. Holy cow, man! Hard, hard, dry, and no smell. And I'm sincere when I say this. We tested this on a on a on a buck skull, and I will tell you, uh, there was a little bit of tissue right on the top between where the two antlers would be, like you know, muscle tissue yeah. and some some other you know visceral tissue. We sprayed it down, and I kid you not, that thing was harder than any piece Dude, of beef jerky you've ever had. That's a game changer. Take, you had yeah. to take like a, a drill will or re re saturate it to get that off of there because velvet lock works I mean, so well. Just well, to, every time we're looking yep. for like, we put borax on there and the idea is what it dries it out and reduces the smell. Yeah. It still smells like, and then we yeah. wrap it with layers and layers of like paper towels and, uh, duct tape, duct and, tape and stuff. I, that sounds so much more appealing. Just spray it yeah, with velvet see, lock. You don't have to do any of that. Literally you can spray up in the nasal <laughs> cavity, up in the back of the skull. Yeah. spray it all over the place it, it yeah. will preserve it just yeah, that that's way. wild man and and uh, you know and i'm i don't know how much you guys are having to do it out west but like here in the east because of cwd and how prevalent like it is state. every state i mean yeah. every state if you get if you get caught traveling across lines with that deer and you're not taking it directly to a taxidermist who then has to force check it back to that other state to say hey i received this i received all the spinal tissue you know brain tissue etc like you're screwed. And so uh, almost every outfitter is doing it. I would say most hunters that are going out of the state are also caping and skull capping. Plus it's, it's a space saver. I mean, when you got all your gear and you're traveling across, like, or they're taking the chance, but 
Yeah, it's, it's not, not worth, worth it. it. But yeah, I mean that's that's huge. Even when we try to do a European mount or something. Yeah, it's awesome. That, that's pretty cool. So yeah, when you when you text nervous gets that skull cap the next time, he's gonna he's gonna look at you and go, "What did you do to this skull cap to make this thing so dry and clean?" I know he's gonna be angry <laughs> when he gets my him. Kansas one. I take him a bottle. It's it's a little smelly, smelly. It's drying out. Well, let's keep moving down the list. That's these are you know the two, the two that I'm definitely really excited about, and I see us using these quite a bit this season. Yeah, there's more bottles here, but let's this, talk that one. Now. This is one that we've used last year on our hunt as well. Yeah, and I think it's becoming more and more relevant to the way that we hunt deeper and even public for whitetails. Yeah, so that's the head hauler. Yep. Yeah, pretty sweet. So, and maybe not as heavy and or needed for uh, whitetails unless you're deeper in or you're caping out and, yeah. and moving out. But, you know, especially as you get western and, and on, you know, mule deer and elk. Well, so, guys, you probably know more, Daryl, obviously, if guiding for 15 years or whatever than, than we do as eastern guys is, you know, packing, packing deer out and, you know, packing animals out is a relatively new thing to us like yes. we're, typically we're back in the utv up right to them <laughs> you know and we've got two or three guys to throw them in the back and yeah. like so you know processing an animal in the field has not really been a thing for us um uh, it's become a thing in, in kansas as we've started to venture deeper and deeper yep. in, into public especially on like the kayaks and stuff potentially in illinois this year illinois is one and certainly this north dakota hunt i mean i was we yeah. were three miles from the truck with yep. mine so there, I, I don't know if there are some packs that have something like this kind of designed into them. Um, I, I would have to imagine that there are, but I know that ours didn't. And we Our bought some Kuyu packs. We bought some top of the line packs, yeah, from Kuyu for that hunt. And uh, to be honest with you, I'm not quite sure how we would have gotten those heads, you know, with the cape attached out of there without this, uh, the, without the head hauler. You know, and especially velvet, velvet, because you can't if you yeah. put a piece of rope around velvet. By the time you get back to where you're going you're going to rub that velvet clean off of it. Yep. So this head hauler not having to touch the antlers to actually pack out an animal is a is a win-win. Well, I mean, I couldn't imagine trying to pack out uh, a bull elk head on my pack no, with without with instability. Well, Daryl's Daryl's got a video on the website of him doing it with a giant bull. Yeah. I mean, that's the yep. thing. It's the weight balance and, and distribution and you're trying to I mean, when you're back in there, it's not like you're over, going over easy terrain either. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's a that's a big one. And, I mean, even just from a, an overall standpoint of, you know, when you're when you're going back in there, I mean, we already have a ton of gear with us to begin with, not to mention, like, oh, now I've got to put in, you know, a hindquarter back strap and the head on the back of this pack. Like, you're out of room. There's not enough pockets and in, in cubic you know in space on these packs to do all that stuff so for you to be able to pack that you know backpack to its fullest then put the head on and strap it over the top it, i mean it's creating space you know for you to yeah to dude. get stuff in well, i mean out. we're idiot, like southwestern pennsylvania guys bumbled out into north dakota and happened to kill two mule deer and got them out of there pretty seamlessly i mean it was clean like i was pretty proud of you know we yeah. didn't we didn't lose all of our meat was good Aside from, yeah, me, yeah, I was being stupid. Uh, you know, we, we got our velvet out of there perfectly intact. Mm -hmm. You know, our, our hides, even though, you know, we had done this, you know, those worked out good as well. We've got this added assurance this year, but mm -hmm. I, I think those. Just missing eyelashes. Sorry? Just missing eyelashes. 
yeah, oh, yeah. Well, without, well, no, I didn't let Jeremy touch that one. I, I kept that one out myself. And then you lost it in the freezer. And then it brought it in the freezer. Exactly. I've had bad luck with hides, man. I've got a lot of European mouths. Oh, yeah, that's all. That's all. Jeremy's saving. He's saving weight, cutting off eyelashes. I know. That's it. I was like, man, it, you don't need to. You don't need these. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, just have a deer with no eyelashes as a mount. <laughs> Boy, he was wide-eyed, wasn't he? Yeah, wide-eyed. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, I guess, you know, guys, t obviously you got two other products here and, and Velva Scrub and Velva Clean, I guess, kind of give us a synopsis of like different scenarios. Cause I, you know, when I'm looking at them, uh, obviously if I think about like, oh, let's clean blood off of the hide or, or let's clean my, you know, there, there are other foundational purposes for that product that, you know, maybe even you can keep, uh, the wife at home happy potentially with use of, of the product and its effectiveness. Right. Especially, you know, your hunting clothes. I'm sure you guys got blood on any of your hunting clothes oh, when yeah. you're out there, right? Yep. And, and wives, if they get their hooks, all they do, spray it on those bloody spots, let it sit for 15 minutes before it goes in the wash, and the blood will come right out of there. She doesn't have to scrub, worry about blood getting on other things because it breaks down the protein and, and just dissipates the blood all in itself. Sounds like OxyClean. Yeah. <laughs> I know a couple of things you said to me, Daryl, that made a lot of sense was, um, yeah, there you go. Yeah. The mark, uh, was, uh, my pack. I know I'm just thinking of things yeah. that are difficult to wash in a washer. Yes. So, so my pack, especially if I don't want to like, you know, to tear the frame out of it and undo everything and readjust everything. Uh, cause I'm going to keep going from hunt to hunt. Uh, and the other is like car seats. Um, mm -hmm. you know, and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I think, I think this makes a lot of sense for that. I think there's, I, I think packs are a huge thing, especially if you're packing out game or whatever. Uh, but I mean, did I just think about the, the number of things that I, somehow I end up with blood on, like well, after like <laughs> getting yeah, an animal Well, dude, there. honestly, because we rented a camper out there and if I was caping it inside of this rented A-frame, <laughs> I probably got some blood like on the, you know, this rental seats and stuff. Yeah. yeah, it's, well, always, it's even, always good to have that. But even think hand. of that trip, like, it's not, uh, so even if look, somehow we got all bloody from packing those deer out, and so, it's not like we're going to wash our clothes, like, we're still out there for another five days. Yeah. So, I mean, just to be able to hit them and clean some stuff up and things like that is is a really good opportunity on that side. Yeah. And then you guys have um, Velva Clean as well, which is for once the mount is on the wall, correct? So, this is uh, in lieu of obviously using some har yes. harmful chemicals or you know, anything like that. Th this is just used to clean velvet once it's, I'm sorry, uh, any taxidermy once it's mounted. Any taxidermy. And yeah. I guess why, right. why wouldn't somebody use like a, I don't know, like a 409 cleaner Windex, or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Windex. So as you guys know, the, the hard thing about taxidermy is exactly that, right? It's, it's your trophy. It doesn't matter how big or small, yep. it's the memory behind it. It's, you know, that tissue, whether it be velvet, whether it be a hard antler, like the one in front of you on the table or a hide, I mean, it's, it's, it's a delicate surface, even if it's been through a tanner, you know, spraying harsh chemicals and things on it will eventually erode the hair follicles. It'll dry them out. It'll make them break. Mm. You know, the, the other thing that a lot of people deal with when you're dealing with taxidermy is you get bug inf infestations. If you guys have, you know, vaulted ceilings or you put them up on a wall, you know, you've got, you've got a couple guys out there that are adamant about cleaning their mounts, you know, once a month or whatever it is. I've heard people take, you know, um, a duster. I've heard people take vacuum cleaners, you know, mm -hmm. and it's just, you got to think about what you're doing there. And so what we did 
was we kind of looked at this from, you know, from that multiple lenses and said, okay, well, we're dealing with bug infestations. You spend a thousand to two thousand dollars on a mount, depending on what you're doing or more, you know, African game, you know, these once in a lifetime type trophies, you bring them back and you throw them up on your wall to, you know, to, to relive that memory time and time again. The last thing we want is a bug infestation of either, you know, a moth or a gnat or whatever they are, you know, those little, those little mm-hmm. tiny bugs that get up in there and they burrow themselves into the hair and they eventually they they eat away at the tissue and the hair falls out you know this is notorious for sheep and some of those others mm. you know and so that was the first thing was how do we get rid of bugs you know we, we, we had a little experience with this with you know velvolock right we tested different things we know what works to keep bugs off you know so what that was consideration number one the second was you know you get cobwebs you get you know spider webs you get dust and those things settling on there so we really sought out a way that we can provide a spray, you know, a, again, it's, it's a misting spray. It's not a full saturation. You're not putting in a bathtub. It's a misting spray. And it actually binds those molecules, the dust and the dirt and all those molecules together to where you can very easily just wipe them right off with a, with a mm-hmm. towel. And we've got testimony after testimonial pictures. You'll start with, you know, what you think is a relatively clean mount, miss this thing down, let it sit for just a couple minutes and then take that white towel in the brush and you do it. And you'd be amazed at how much, you know, oils come out of there because again, birds is a big one, you know, waterfowl, those types of things. But obviously any animal, that tissue has a certain amount of oil that's, re- that's residual over time as that, you know, that tissue, it'll start pressing out those oils. And again, you see it all the time. And if you guys are big waterfowl guys or ducks, you'll see it you do a mount and over time you'll start to notice a little bit of oil on the feathers and it just, it looks oily. Right. This breaks down all those molecules and binds them to where you can very easily wipe them off. The other great thing about this is that if your taxidermist has done a good job, you know, it's a reputable individual, you know, we, we showcased this at the sportsman's expo two years ago where we had, you know, one of Daryl's mounts that's on the wall behind him. We full on would spray this on the eyes, on the nose and the nostrils, on the lips you know, and it really just pulls all that stuff off and you can wipe it. It doesn't discolor. It doesn't pull off any, you know, any, it doesn't damage the taxidermy in any way, shape or form. It's very, very mild, but effective. Hmm. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I mean, it, it is something that, um, you know, I know I'm guilty of, we've got several mounts here in the office that, you know, I've probably thrown a Swiffer off of at some point in time, but like, other than that, you know, they kind of sit there and I mean, you know, that there's bugs in them, you know, there's dust all over them and stuff and um you know and again i guess it's probably just because like yeah i don't i don't know like up until now like i would have said i don't know do i put like a 409 cleaner or a windex on it like i don't know i don't don't know that i ever would i would have probably just dusted it but i think you're right and i've seen some of that too they just kind of get dirtier over i mean we can see even with some of your older ones over here it's like there's probably some some oil that's been sitting on there and that collects even more dust Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, you don't have to use it all the time, but certainly is, you know, a, a good product in the lineup. Yeah, we, so we here's, absolutely, here's, you know, here's we, we had one thing that, oh, go ahead, AJ. No, 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 you're fine. I was just going to say, you know, we, we had guys at the expo come up and ask questions about this product and say, well, how often can I use it? Or what do you guys recommend? And, you know, truthfully, the answer to that is as much or as little as you want. You know, I have several mounts at my house. I'll go down there maybe once a month and clean them, you know, granted, Mine's a newer home, so I don't have a ton of issues with, you know, dust and, you know, the, the filtration's pretty good. But, you know, to answer that question, you can do it as much or as little as you want. You're not going to damage anything if you do it, you know, every other week or whatever it is. But what's nice is when you're done, you, you get to walk away or go sit down and look at these and remember they're clean. You're repelling bugs consistently. You're not up there with a fly swatter like it's doing it for you. And it leaves this really nice, mild, but beautiful shine. And we've had people tell us, sincerely tell us that after they use our product, 
it looks better than when they got it back from the taxidermists. Yeah, I, I mean, I could see that. I, I know, like you said, Jared, these mounts over here, but even this big one here in the corner, like, I guarantee if we, when we spray that down and wipe it down. We'll probably need to after the podcast. It's going to look a lot different. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, so and the big thing you got to remember is up until about 15 years ago, all of your taxidermy tannery solutions had arsenic in them. Hmm. So the arsenic penetrate into the membrane of anything that they did right whether it be part of the horn full body mounts it would get into where the hooves are arsenic always was a bug repellent that's why we've had people say well you know i got one of my grandpa's mounts it's never had bugs in it that's why bugs will not eat something that has arsenic in it well they cannot use arsenic anymore so now it's been 15 18 years since they stopped using that People are really starting to see the adverse effects mm -hmm. of those mounts that have been mounted over time now. Hairs starting to fall out of them. So you've got to protect them with something and keep the bugs away from them. Or eventually your grandkids are going to see your mounts just going to be a big piece of leather on the wall with horns on. Yeah, that, that's I've seen a, some of those. That's a big one, man. I mean, if you start to think about that, I mean, because, you know, every year we're adding hopefully to the wall and we're investing a lot of money in that to preserve that trophy. And it's... You know, it's not like, a, hey, look what I killed as much as it is. Like, I can look at that deer and literally remember, like, putting an arrow in it. But, you know, why wouldn't you make sure that that thing is still taken care of, you know, after you've spent whatever, 500 to $2,000 to get it done correctly? For sure. Um, you know, or at least to keep it looking like the day that you picked it up from the taxidermist. Um, I think that's a huge point. And, and Daryl, I think that makes a really good point. You know, one of the things that, you know, I, I know my grandpap didn't do as much, but like my dad has, and I am, but like at some point I want, you know, my kids and grandkids to be able to, you know, have some of the deer that I harvested and be like, yeah, you know, my grandpap shot that that's cool. Um, yeah, you know, right. but if you don't take care of them, they can't. Yep. 100%. Very cool, man. Well, man, I think that uh, you guys have done an awesome job here. I know you've been around since like 2011, you said. Um, but yes. I think in, in more recent years, you guys have really come a long way with some of these flagship products. And especially now with, um, you know, Hydelock and, and adding the head hauler to that. I really see this as kind of a must have for us uh, on a lot of these out of state hunts that we're going on from preserving velvet when applicable um, to making sure that um, we have some kind of an insurance policy on the hide to make sure we get that back correctly. And certainly for any animal that we're packing out, uh, you know, I'll, I'll always have this on the hunts with us. So, well, I think there's a lot of, I know we've kind of talked about it from a stone road angle guys, is that this to me starts to really take form of a, of a kit that almost every hunter, you know, especially those hunting early season should have, you know, whether it's a velvet lock and head hauler kit uh, or in Hydelock, like, or it's just the complete pack of all sprays. I mean, the fact is whether you've got, you know, taxidermy on the wall or you're out there trying to, you know, get the next one that you're going to put on the wall. Like, it's just easy to me, anything that gives me added insurance, I'm happily investing in, right? Because it's just all the work and preparation and cost and time that you're putting in to go out there and do it. You know, there's nothing worse than, you know, getting, getting back and knowing that your hides messed up or, you know, your, your velvet slipping or whatever it might be. And it just takes the wind out of the sails after what should have been just like an unbelievable memory in time. Um, and so, uh, you know, okay. even if you just look at it, like added insurance. You know, one, of the, one of the things I really want to touch on too is, 
and actually it's funny because my son's in here with me and he goes, you got to remind him about that. You know, when guys go, a big one is they go to Alaska, Canada, those kinds of places, they pack in 50 pound bags of salt to take care of their hides. Wow. I don't have to do that anymore. Right. You could take for a moose, you could take two bottles of hide lock in there with you. So you got 24 ounces wow. versus 60 pounds of salt. That's insane. Right. So, I mean, this, this is where it's really big and this is where I don't want anybody to get lost in the, the fact that hide lock isn't only for warm weather. It helps preserve that hide in cold weather as well, because you get up there in those mountains and cold and, you still have to take care of that hide just because it's cold out doesn't mean it's not going to rot. Yep. So that's why those guys take that salt, but you just, you know, especially on an airplane, you got to pick your stuff, right? Yeah. And you go to fly and trip somewhere in Alaska or somewhere, pick your poison. What are you going to take home with you? You're going to take home a set of antlers and some meat, or are you going to take home your hide so you can have everything taken care of because you can't take that extra 60 or 80 pounds of salt with you because the plane won't allow it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, especially on a high you know, country think, hunt too. I it's think like, Daryl brings up a, a great point on that too. Every single bag or water, every single one of those. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, literally every single. You look at every product in front of you, guys. You know, we the big one of the biggest. I don't want to say concerns, but one of the biggest questions we get from guys like you and I that do backcountry hunts and are passionate about it is how much does it weigh? That's everyone's first go to is how sure. much does it weigh? We have done everything we possibly can to minimize and limit the amount of weight. So, you know, sitting in front of you is 12 ounces of liquid. Those bottles are ultra light bottles. You know, there's nothing fancy to them. In other words, you know, they're not double, triple walled there. So we, we strove for this. Yeah. Right. You know, and same with the head hauler is ultra light material, ultra light carabiners, ultra light, you know, T5 webbing, like all this stuff is really important to us. So these guys don't have to worry about weight. Yeah, I think that's a huge point, AJ. I mean, <clears throat> you know, even where we were going, I mean, we knew we were packing in all day and, you know, we had our water with us. We had some food, we had all our gear. And it's like, you know, every extra few pounds here and there adds up pretty quick, especially hoping that you're hauling out, you know, a full animal at the end of it. Um, you know, it was easy for us to slide into our packs and hell didn't even know it was there until you needed it. Yeah. That was the nice part too, about once we, once, you know, we process the animals, like we spray it and the liquid's gone. You know, we're carrying back an empty bottle. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's awesome. Shed the weight. Well, awesome guys. Well, listen, we greatly appreciate you guys coming on to the Hunter podcast. Um, obviously we're excited to be able to work with you guys from a stone road and Hunter angle and, and really excited to, to get these products in use. I mean, you know, even just thinking back at some of the scenarios we had, like Jared's mule deer cape, like, you know, could we have saved that thing? And I'm, there's plenty, yeah, I, I can't imagine how many people every year have a freezer or something go bad and lose a cape, mm -hmm. you know, and, and easily if it was treated prior to that, you know, could have been protected and saved. Yeah. Um, but I think there's some really cool, innovative products. I know we're going to be doing a lot of stuff with you guys here over the next couple months, uh, as we start to get closer to the early season hunts and, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, we'll, we'll get everybody over to velvetantlertechnologies.com to check out the project, uh, products. I know we've got some new website stuff coming up. I know we've got new content coming up. Um, man, it's, it's that time of year, which is so freaking exciting. Finally. Heck yeah. Sir. Yeah, we're getting there. So, you know, you, you guys kind of hit on it already, but you know, we're on, all social media platforms. We're going to be at the Western Hunting and Conservation Expo in in, uh, in February here in Salt Lake City. So 
you guys have questions, you know, re reach out to us. We love to work with people. If there's any, you know, anyone that have in-depth questions about how to use the products. I mean, Daryl and I truly pride ourselves on customer service. We strive to answer every email, every question, every phone call. Both of our numbers are out there. You can pick up the phone and call and talk to, you know, one or either of us. You know, our thing is, is we've developed these products, as Daryl mentioned, we developed these products for your everyday hunter. They've transformed now to where taxidermists use it, guides use it. You know, you can find it multiple places, but truthfully, you know, we're, we're, we didn't develop these products to make money. These products came out of a necessity for Daryl and I, you know, just like you guys mentioned, we're out hunting. We have a problem. How do we solve a problem? You know, and people always ask Daryl, Daryl, you, you know, you've been sitting on this for 16, 18 years. Why didn't you do anything? Well, there's twofold. One, Daryl wanted to test it to make sure that we could stand by the product 15 years later and see that, you know, the, the velvet's in pristine shape, the hides are in good shape, whatever it is. The other thing is, again, we weren't, our idea wasn't, to do this to a mass market, you know, people started inquiring and asking me, and then we saw a need for it out there. And that's kind of how this thing's evolved into what it is. Yeah. That's awesome, man. If somebody's uh, like skeptical or they're considering picking uh, any one of these products up, how would they get a hold of you guys to ask questions? So our, our contact info is out there, right? You can send us an, a message through Facebook or Instagram. Okay. You can also send us an email and um, our phone numbers are out there as well. You can literally pick up the call. I would, Daryl, I, I don't know how many you think you get a day, but I probably get four or five phone calls a day from people that just, you know, hey, hey, I, I saw your, I saw your ad, or I saw, you know, I saw you on Instagram. I got a question. I'm headed up to Alaska this fall for my dream hunt. You know, I want to talk to you about the product. I'm a little skeptical. You know, we we welcome those. You know, it's okay to be skeptical. I, you know, honestly, when Daryl first told me about the product, I was skeptical. You know, it was one of those that I'm like, okay, I've grown up archery hunting, and this has always been the biggest issue is it really this simple? You know, and it, it's just one of those that, you know, it, again, it's okay to be skeptical. Just ask the question. Check it out yourself. Yeah. So cool. Facebook, Instagram, DM. What's the, what's the email? Uh, velvet antler technologies at gmail.com. Sweet. And I think, uh, we talked about it briefly. I know we're going to have a big, uh, hunter podcast booth at ATA show as well. And it sounds like we were thinking about probably having velvet antler in the booth as well for small display and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I just think it's going to align with that crowd. And again, I, I think just kind of like Jared and I were last year, it was one of those things that like, we're looking to figure out how to do this stuff. The moment we come across it, it's like, Oh, like that's our solution. We're done. We'll have to worry about it. Um, and so I think that's kind of, you know, that's our mission here with stone road and, and the relationship with you guys right now is like the more we can get this out there to people. And especially as we're introducing Hydlock as well, you know, it, it just becomes a natural that, you know, these guys have it. One last question before we let you guys go. Um, what's shelf life on this stuff? Shelf life per the manufacturers, two years, two years. Yeah. Good yeah. enough. Yeah, just you know, we've um, just good to we know personally. I, I, I'll kind of just be honest in this aspect. I'll tell you that we we personally, Daryl and I, we've had we we have you know bottles that we've tested and we've ran, and I have bottles in particular that are you know three four years old. We use and I don't notice any efficacy differences between the two, but manufacturer shelf life is two years, and we did that intentionally because we didn't want it to be something that if I sell Jared a bottle and he holds on to it for six years and finally kills the buck of his dreams and he applies it and it's not as effective as it could have been. Yeah. 
we we would feel terrible. Yeah, that, yeah, you know, hundred percent. Yeah, that makes sense, we, man. We did a disservice to you. So. No, I think that's perfect though. I mean, that means I buy it this year, and then you know, if for some reason my luck doesn't strike well in twenty one, I've got it for twenty two. Uh, and I think your guys' pri- price point is super fair too. Is it twenty nine ninety nine a bottle? Correct. So it is. So yeah. yeah, I mean, if it doesn't pan out, you don't kill your buck. It's you know, thirty bucks. Sitting there waiting for you next year. Yeah, that's that's right. You got two years on. Yeah, you, you know, and uh, wanna I want to touch on. We really, really strive on our customer service. If anybody out there has any question about how it's working, or if they're having troubles, if they don't think it's working correctly, we invite those people to call us. I have not ever found a problem that I can't fix up to this point. So, I mean, in all fairness, we. We, we cured a velvet buck in Pennsylvania this year that came off of a ranch. It was 346 inches of antler, and it cured it in three days. Oh. So You know how, I, I how just, heavy and bloody those those ranch bucks are. Yeah. You know, and I think, to, to Daryl's point, you know, we're not sitting here saying that no one's ever ran into an issue with the product. What we're saying is that anytime someone is – you know, we, we get a call from someone that says, hey, I'm, I don't know, do I hold it four inches or two inches? You know, those yep. are the yeah. things. we welcome the questions because we don't want it misapplied. You know, sure. we want to walk you through to make sure that you see the same results that you actually should see. Yeah. User error is yes. it's everything. Man. Pretty common. That's typically what 99. it is. 99.99% of any issue Daryl and I have gotten a phone call or an email about, it was user error. Yep. 100%. Well, that's awesome that you guys put yourselves out there for that availability. I mean, you know, if there's one complaint in the industry, you know, uh, people pretty much want to talk to the guy or the guys when it comes down to the products of of what they're dealing with. And, you know, I think that will go a long way as this as this brand continues to evolve and grow and and become uh, more popularly. I mean, just the skull cap type stuff like that, those little kind of intricacies that, you know, this thing can be used for is, uh, is awesome. And, and, you know, a full line of products to do it. And yeah, I'm sure we're going to be treating our taxidermy here right after we're done with the podcast. Absolutely. So cool guys. Well, we appreciate it. We'll let you get back to your lives again. We'll, we'll hopefully have you guys on maybe uh mid hunting season, try to do a catch up. Hopefully uh, we'll have some success stories with the products by then. And uh, say nine weeks. Yeah, nine weeks. We'll be in the Dakotas to to start going at it. Uh, Daryl, don't catch all the crappie in the lake. You know, leave me some at some point. And uh, you know, I, I want to leave with one final one. Um, I'm going to take off in August. I'll be traveling the country with a little display piece in our trailer. And if there's anybody out there that wants to see us or wants to have us stop by and show us what we have. I'd be glad to stop by. I'm going to try to build a schedule here coming up in August, September timeframe. And I'm going to be seeing you boys about, I don't know, September 12th, 15th timeframe. I'll be in your neck of the woods. Love it, man. We should be here. Velvet Antler Technologies world tour. (laughs) Right. Hopefully we'll be sitting here with a skull cap (laughs) or two. Yeah. I love that. Cool, guys. Well, we appreciate coming on and uh, look forward to working with you guys in the product, as always. Um, excited about it. Uh, check it out, velvetantlertechnologies.com. Thanks, guys. We appreciate it. Thanks. All right, guys. We'll appreciate talk soon. All right, thanks. Cool. Coolio. It's crazy. I know um, I'm sure there's some people that are going to listen to this and be like, oh, did I just sit through like a two-hour infomercial? Blah, 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 blah. And it's like, 
listen, we're talking about the product literally because I didn't, a year ago at this time, we didn't even know something like this existed. Um, we had no idea. And so to, to be able to find something that can simplify or protect us when we're trying to kill a velvet deer and now with hide lock to be able to protect that hide in cases where obviously like you lost a Dakota, otherwise we would have a North Dakota muley mounted on the wall probably right now. Yeah. Had we treated it prior to putting it in, is it a necessity? No, but it's added insurance for 30 bucks that, that seems like a no brainer. And, and the more that we start doing either backcountry hunts and, or we're processing deer in the field because we're deep into public, it just seems like a no brainer. I agree. No, I think, uh, you know, my, my intention in having these guys on the podcast is that uh, it took us a lot of time to, you know, ultimately figure this solution out. And, um, you know, there's probably a lot of people out there in a similar situation that are either planning their first mule deer hunt or, you know, anticipate killing a velvet buck at some point or, you know, have had issues with hide slippage in the past where their taxidermist turned them man. away or something. And I guarantee people have li are listening to this and have lost a hide or have a hide that doesn't look that great on a, uh, on a mount because of hair slippage. You know, anybody that's considering a velvet hunt, I bet there are people right now that don't even know that you need to do anything to a velvet deer after you kill it. That they're just like, oh, cool, I killed a velvet buck. Oh, what do you mean? Like, it's rotting. I thought, like, it's just in velvet. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully we can help some people get ahead of that and, and preserve their trophies and stuff. And it, it certainly has worked well for us so far. Yeah. I, I do think uh, our taxidermy is going to need a cleaning. So Colt, once, you get on that, once you get on that, Colton. <laughs> <laughs> Easy. Uh, Easy with Drank it. my shandy. You better clean my mounts. <laughs> Just wash my eyelashes. <laughs> oh. So, well, we appreciate everybody listening to Hunter Podcast episode 26 with Velvet Antler Technologies, AJ and Daryl. Um, those guys are, are literally, I mean, how many companies nowadays can you call the the creators and the owners to to get customer service help from? Yep. Um, you know, that's, that's a big, for those guys putting themselves out there, and I, people probably didn't get it from Daryl. I know he has, you know, spotty service in, in Idaho at his, at his cabin, but um, that dude will, will just talk, forever to you about the product and hunting and he's just a good guy and he's passionate about what he's done i mean he he built this to come up with a solution for clients and stuff that he was guiding um so you know i think it says a lot about products when you find somebody like that behind it because the motivation isn't just money it's literally to solve a problem that they've faced and that tends to be when you have the best products yeah 100 percent well, I appreciate everybody listening, and we will see y'all next time. Later. It take me. Oh.